name is Tyler and welcome to this week's Context for Kids where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com where I have transcripts for readers or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel where I post slightly longer versions. All scripture this week comes from the MTV, which is the Miss Tyler version. That's the Christian Standard Bible tweak usually a whole lot to make the content in context easier for kids to understand. Now, goodness. Goodness is a confusing word in English. I mean, what exactly does it mean? Is it just the opposite of badness? How can we be good when Jesus said that only God is good? And how is it different from the other ways that we're supposed to be like Jesus? Is self-control goodness? How about gentleness and faithfulness and kindness? Goodness seems so vague that we aren't really sure what to make of it. Adults tell kids, be good or on your best behavior when relatives come to visit or at the store or school or, or whatever. But what does all that have to do with Jesus? How was Jesus good as opposed to being somehow bad? What did the word mean when Paul used it and how would the Galatians have understood it? What did it mean to the Jews whom Jesus was preaching to when he said that no one is good except God? What does good mean to us now? Out of all the fruit of the Spirit, goodness is definitely the most confusing for me. Good grades, good hair, good dog, good morning, good news, good enough, good grief. Good is a word that can mean so many different things in English. But when we're told that the Holy Spirit will teach us and change us to make us good, it's sort of like hearing that we're expecting good weather during a drought, which is when, you know, it hasn't rained in a long time. Would that mean sunshine or rain? Which one is good? Does good simply mean nice enough to go out and have a picnic at the park? Or does good mean that the rain will fall and the plants won't die? And what does it mean if we're being good? Does it mean that we're just behaving ourselves or that we're doing things that are actually good and helping others? Paul was talking to a bunch of grown-ups from a place named Galatia when he said this. And so we have to take that into account, too. In fact, Paul was talking to a group of people who weren't being allowed to sit and eat at the same table with other people. There was an in-group and an out-group, and these people were on the outside and not allowed to sit with the in-crowd because they weren't considered to be good enough unless they did a certain thing. They weren't considered to be fully part of God's family. Paul was telling them that the thing they were being asked to do wasn't really a sign of belonging to God's family at all. Let me tell you a story of something that happened to me this week that made me very sad. I know someone who I like very much. Well, recently he changed denominations, which means he is going to a new church now, which is fine. He was asking me some questions, and at one point he told me that unless I go to his church too, that I am not fully a member of the family of God with him. I was very surprised. That's the exact same problem that Paul was dealing with when one group 
wouldn't have anything to do with another group unless they did a certain thing. And it wasn't like that thing was believing Jesus or worshiping God. But do we get to decide who belongs in the family of God and who doesn't just because they aren't doing a certain thing that's important to us? Paul said no. He said that the Holy Spirit would make the people who belong in the family of God to be more and more like Jesus. That's how we know. We look at who people were before they believed and we watch God change them for good. If only God is good, like Jesus said, then as we keep following and believing him, we will never be entirely perfect, but we'll get closer and closer to being good and further and further away from being bad. And that's because the word that Paul used that we call good actually meant excellent. To be excellent is much different than simply being good and behaving ourselves. To be excellent means that whatever we're doing, we do the best we can. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to get straight A's in school because sometimes a person's best is B's or C's. Just like not everyone's going to get an A in gym class or get chosen for the choir or have a role in the dance recital. Do you hear my dog in the background? We have a new dog. And he's panting and rolling and yeah. <laughs> Goodness or excellence means that we are determined to be the best we can be in those things that God has given us to do. It means that we aren't there setting a bad example by being lazy or treating people badly when we know very well how to treat them well. Imagine if Jesus had only made enough bread and fishes for half the people who were listening to him preach. That'd be so mean. There would have been a riot when the people who didn't get fed found out about it. Jesus could make enough bread for them all, so he did. Imagine if that poor man with all the demons only got half of them chucked out of him. So he still had to live in the graveyard hurting himself and others. What would be the point of getting rid of any of the demons at all? What if Jesus only healed one of the legs of the paralyzed man? Of course, Jesus could do it, and so he did. Jesus was always excellent. He preached the best sermons anyone had ever heard. He prayed the best prayers. He gave the best answers and asked the best questions. Of course, let's be honest, he had a huge advantage over us, right? But that doesn't mean that Jesus couldn't have decided to do just a little bit for us when he could do a lot instead. Jesus was often very sad when he saw how much people were suffering. And so he helped the people who were in front of him when they came to him. Jesus was very generous with his power to heal and feed and teach. That's another definition of goodness, to be generous. Being generous means that you share what you have with others and don't keep it all to yourself. You know, God made me to be really smart with books, but a terrible dancer. You have no idea how bad. He made it so that I love history and the Bible. And then about 10 years ago, he gave me the gift to teach people. And then he told me to teach you guys. But what if I just read my books and enjoyed learning, but didn't share that with anyone? What if I just use what I know to make people feel bad or stupid? I'd be showing the opposite of goodness, that's for sure. All of that is what God gave me so that I can give that away to you. It doesn't mean that I know everything or that I'm the best teacher in the world, not by a long shot. 
but I work hard and I study because I want to be excellent in this. I can't be an excellent dancer, no matter how hard I try. And I can't play musical instruments or read sheet music. And I am so bad at sports that it is just beyond sad. Even trying would be a waste of my time. But I can become more and more excellent or good at what God created me to do. The Holy Spirit helps me with that. Have you ever wondered how the Holy Spirit works to make us less bad and more good? The Bible says that we are God's images. All humans, every human being in the world is created as God's image. Not animals, just people. All people. In the ancient world of Abraham and even later with Jesus, an image was usually an idol. Someone would make a carving or a mold of something that made them think of their gods and goddesses, and then they would perform a ceremony with a knife. Here, we got it. Got a knife right here. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is a dangerous one because it's got, so we're not doing that. Okay. They, someone would make a carving or a mold of something that made them think of their gods and goddesses, and then they would perform a ceremony with a knife. I don't know why they used a knife and they would touch it to the mouth of the idol and they would say some things and they believed that the spirit of the God would go into the idol, which would turn the idol into a real representative for that God. Because before that, they knew it was just a worthless chunk of clay, rock, wood, or metal. That's what an image of a fake God or goddess is. Something dead that they believed had a part of a god or goddess living inside it that they could talk to, worship, feed, take to the bathroom. No, I did not make that up. Dress up in fancy clothes and put to bed at night. When Moses taught the children of Israel in the wilderness about how our God is different, he used the exact same words to describe how we are the real images of God. That he made us like him in how we think and in a lot of what we can do. We are God, but we are living, breathing reminders of God throughout the whole world. That's why Genesis 2 says that God made man out of clay and breathed into him because that was something they could all understand. They understood that unlike the gods and goddesses of the other nations who were just rocks and wood and clay and metal and couldn't really think, talk, hear, or walk because there was no life in them, that we are different. We are made by God, and he did put part of himself in us. Not so that we could be worshipped or anything, but so that we could show the world how wise and wonderful he is. He did it so that we could be excellent and rule over all the things he created like he would if he were us or if he were here. That's how it should have worked, but the whole Bible reminds us that it never did. We are always being bad and sometimes as bad as possible instead of allowing God to make us excellent in ways that tell creation the truth about who he is and what he is like. Now, even better than being created as his images is what happens when we believe that Jesus is Lord and we give ourselves over to him forever. That's when we receive a special gift, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves in, bad stuff has to start moving out so that the goodness can take over more and more. 
of course, the bad stuff just doesn't all leave right away because with some of us, there'd be nothing left. The Holy Spirit works inside us to teach us and to help us want to get rid of the bad and to become better and better so we can be filled with more and more goodness. Some days I feel so surly that I'm surprised the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to move right out. But as God is patient and gentle, so is the Spirit. The Spirit can't be anything that God isn't, which means that we don't have to worry about the Spirit hurting us or changing us in ways that will hurt us. Sometimes the Spirit asks us to give up things that are very difficult to give up, like if we hate someone or don't want to forgive someone we're really angry at. You know, sometimes hating people can make us feel like we're more safe from them hurting us ever again, but all it really does is make us miserable. But I can promise you that every change the Holy Spirit wants to make in you is a change that will make your life a whole lot better. It's nice not having to think about hating somebody all the time. Ugh, doesn't bother them, but it sure bothers us. I guess we can say that the Holy Spirit is sort of like a balloon that gets bigger and bigger. Inside the balloon is goodness, and as we learn to trust God more and more, the balloon gets bigger. That's going to leave less and less room for the bad stuff that God wants to get rid of. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but before I knew Jesus, I was swearing and cussing all the time. The really, really bad words, even. Then two weeks after I gave my life to Jesus, someone at work noticed that I had stopped swearing. I hadn't even noticed. That's what we call a wonder, proof that God is real and working in our lives even if we can't see him. There was no reason why I would have ever stopped swearing because I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I never even tried. Just all of a sudden I stopped because I had a Holy Spirit balloon beginning to grow in me and that's the first thing God wanted gone, I suppose. But it was only the first. I've been a Christian for 25 years now. And the Holy Spirit has pushed out so much bad stuff that I can't even hardly remember what I used to be like. And that's probably a good thing. I wasn't totally bad or anything, but God wants me to be good. And so he keeps working on me to make me better, even if I will never be totally perfect the way he is. Now, the idols of all the fake gods couldn't hear, see, smell, taste, talk, breathe, or walk. But we can. Of course, their gods couldn't hear, see, smell, taste, talk, breathe, or walk either, so I guess the stone and metal and wood and clay actually did do a pretty good job of representing them. But our God is real and created everything. If something's going to represent him, it needs to be able to hear him and talk about him. Only humans can do that, and it's why he made us different from the animals. Only humans can teach others about God and show them what he is like. Of course, there is one perfect image of God, and that's Jesus. Not only can Jesus teach about God, but he can do it perfectly. Not like me, because I get stuff wrong. I haven't been with God forever. I didn't create the world with him. I can't hear God whenever I want to, and I have never seen him. But Jesus has. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the one and only perfect image of God who we can't see. But Jesus could be seen, and when he did things, people were seeing what God would do and what was important to God and how loving, kind, and amazing he is. When Jesus talked, it was God talking. 
Wouldn't it be great if we could be like that too and we wouldn't ever be mean or wrong? Jesus told a story once about God's goodness, how generous and kind he is, and about how angry that can make people. The way things are in God's kingdom is like a landowner who went out very early one morning to hire people to work in his vineyard where his grapes were ready to be harvested. He told the men standing around that he would give them a denarius, which was a fair wage for a day's work, and he sent them to work picking grapes for the day. He went back three hours later and found some people just standing around with nothing to do, and so he told them that he would hire them too and pay them fair wages. He went again at lunchtime and late in the afternoon and gave jobs to everyone he found standing around. When it was almost quitting time, he found even more people and asked them why they weren't doing anything, and they said no one had given them any work to do. So he gave them jobs too. When the sun was beginning to go down very late in the day, he told the man who managed his fields to bring the workers to him, starting with the people he hired when it was almost time to go home for the night. Everyone was surprised when the landowner gave them pay for an entire day's work, a whole denarius. The landowner was a very generous man, paying them that much money when they had hardly worked at all. And the people who'd been hired very early in the morning, when they heard about it, boy, oh boy, did they get excited. If this is what he gave those slackers who hardly did anything, just think of how much money we're going to get, they would have said to each other. But when they came to the landowner, he paid them exactly the same amount as the people who had only worked one hour. Boy, were they angry about it, and they started complaining. What the heck is going on here? We worked our butts off all day long in the hot sun, and we're getting the same amounts as those guys who only worked an hour when it was cool? That isn't fair. But the landowner was very kind and replied, My friends, I haven't hurt you. I paid you exactly the amount I said I would, and you agreed it was fair at the time. Now take your pay and go home. I really wanted to give these other guys the same amount of money as you got. And the money's mine, so shouldn't I be able to do with it whatever I want to? Are you jealous of them because I was kind and generous to them? Hmm, it's a really good story that shows us how good God is. If that had happened in real life, those men wouldn't have had enough money to feed their families that day if they'd only gotten paid for an hour's worth of work. We don't know why they hadn't been hired or what they were doing all day, all the landowner cared about was making sure they got paid what they needed to survive. And that's what God's goodness is like. He's just concerned. <laughs> and that's what God's goodness is like. He is just as concerned with the person who became a Christian today as he is with the person who has been a Christian for 50 years or the person who will become a Christian tomorrow. All right. And they will all get the same reward when they die. They will live forever. When Jesus was talking to the thief on the cross beside him, and that thief asked Jesus to remember him when he became king, Jesus told the man, even though he was a criminal, that he would be with him forever in paradise. Some people don't like that. 
It's the bad inside us that wants to be jealous and mean. But goodness wants for everyone to be saved and to be changed to be more like Jesus. Just think of what would happen if everyone in the world who does bad things just keeps doing bad and never changes. I suppose the world would be like it was before the flood when everyone was just evil all the time and no one was safe. But that isn't a good world. It's a terrible world. We shouldn't ever want Satan to win, and that's what happens when people who do terrible things never change. Just how, think how angry it makes Satan when one of his favorite bad guys totally changes into a good guy. Yikes. It's like someone came into his house and robbed him. We can imagine a world where Hitler changed before, you know, so many people were killed. Wouldn't that have been better? Satan really won big time with Hitler. Hope they enjoy each other's company. Can you hear my dog yawning down there? <laughs> Goodness is always a challenge that never ends. Whether it means being generous or being excellent in what we're doing to serve God or in being less and less bad all the time. Jesus was once called good teacher and he said, why are you calling me good? No one's good except for God. Does that mean that Jesus was disagreeing with the man? That he wasn't really good? Not at all. Jesus knew that the man was about to ask him a question that went something like this. Well, what do I have to do to be good enough to have eternal life? Jesus knew that good enough is not what we should ever be aiming for in our lives because when we reach good enough, we don't have to continue to be better anymore. We think we're already just awesome. Jesus wasn't saying that we can never be good enough to make God happy but that there is no such thing as good enough except for God. If God is changing us, we will always be getting better. We'll have bad days, but in general, we'll always be getting better. Good enough for that thief next to the cross. Good enough for that thief next to Jesus on the cross meant seeing that Jesus really was the king of the Jews and God's unique Messiah. He was dying, and so he wasn't ever going to be any better than he was. If he had lived longer, then he would have become even better than that. He would have developed more goodness as his Holy Spirit balloon got bigger and bigger inside him. God never stops changing us. Not ever. Sometimes there are a lot of changes all at once. Like over the last two months, God has majorly changed me three times. I'm so tired. I mean, like, you know, dang, I have more goodness in me and less badness, but that badness surprised me when I finally saw it. Yikes. And then sometimes a lot of time goes by and things seem to say the same, but probably God is getting me, you know, rested up and letting me get used to my new normal before he starts finding new badness to get rid of. And sometimes my badness fights back and doesn't want to go, and I get all stressed out, and I start playing video games all day. Or eating all day. <laughs> That's how I always know that God is trying to fix something. I get really irritated, and I start avoiding him. Aren't people just funny like that? It's like I can tell he wants to fix something, but I have no idea what it is, and not knowing is the worst thing about it, so I just go and hide. Maybe you think that Bible teachers aren't just like regular people and that we don't do silly, ridiculous things when God wants us to change. 
but I can tell you for sure that we aren't any more reasonable than anyone else's. We're all pretty much the same, so you don't have to be perfect. You just have to let God make you more good than you are right now. I love you, and I'm praying for you. Goodness isn't something we will ever get totally right, but we can get a whole lot better. Better is what God always wants. He wants it for us, and he wants it for everyone around us, too. See you next week. Hey there, if you are enjoying Context for Kids on the radio, but you want to get more in-depth in certain areas that I just can't cover well on the radio show, check out my four-volume curriculum series, Context for Kids, Honor and Shame in the Bible for ages 7 and up, Ten Commandments and Covenants of Promise for ages 10 and up, Identity, Idolatry, and the New Creation for ages 13 and up, and sexuality, social identity, and kinship relations in the Bible for older teens and adults.